Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca jsb. It's understandable to have some fear of dying, but it shouldn't prevent you from truly living, especially if you're a believer. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah examines what the Bible says about dying. Knowing God awaits you at the end of this life can help you face death with incredible assurance and peace. To introduce the conclusion of his message, Death, the Fear of Dying, here's David. And thank you so much for joining us today. We're talking about what the Bible actually says about dying. Now, you may not think this is a good message for you, but let me remind you, we're all candidates for this message because the statistics on death are 100%. Everybody will die if the Lord Jesus Christ does not come back ahead of time. But should we fear that? Should should that be a negative thing? Uh, nobody wants to die, obviously. We're not any of us anxious to, to die, and we don't like it when other people we love die either. That's awful hard. But behind all of that is this wonderful truth that God has prepared a place for us and that he's going to come one day and we're going to be resurrected from our graves and we're going to go to be with the Lord and going to be there forever. And in the meantime, when we die, our spirit and our soul goes to be with God immediately. So death is not an end. Death is a transition, a beginning. Uh, I just watched yesterday the life story of Billy Graham. And uh, in in that life story, he was talking to his son, and he said, uh, Franklin, uh, there'll be a time here before too long when people are going to say, Billy Graham is dead. He said, don't you let them believe that. I'll be more alive at that time than I've ever been in my whole life. And he was right, because eternal life is life indeed. Well, I'm already preaching, and it isn't time for the message. So before we get started with the teaching session, let me tell you that you can get all this material in a book that we have written called Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. It's kind of a little handbook for what's going on right now in our world, and I hope you'll take the time today to send a gift to Turning Point and let us know you want to be a part of understanding this hope, and you also want to be a part of providing hope for others as we teach the Word of God around the country and around the world. When you send your gift in these remaining days in the month of March, simply ask for the book on hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. Here's part two of Death, the Fear of Dying. Jesus told this story in the 16th chapter of the book of Luke. And it offers a penetrating view of what happens after death. In fact, it may tell us more about life after death than any passage in the Scripture. Here's the story. It's a parable Jesus told. 
concerning two men, one rich and one poor. Now, the poor man's name, we know. It was Lazarus. And we don't know the rich man's name, but we do know something about his lifestyle because Jesus tells us that this rich man wears the finest clothing, he eats the finest food, he has had the best, and he has let everyone know about it, even the beggars who lie at his gates trying to get some of the crumbs that he might drop to them. The poor man, Lazarus, who hopes to be thrown a few crumbs from the bountiful table, is not only hungry, but the scripture tells us, and this is pretty gross, that he's very ill, covered with sores, and the town dogs lick the sores on his body. He is one miserable creature living a miserable existence. Now watch. Lazarus does possess one thing that no one can take away from him, and that is his love for God. The rich man possesses one thing he can't keep, his life. Now, in the story, Jesus tells both men die, and on the other side of the gate that separates this life from eternity, the beggar Lazarus is carried by heavenly angels to the bosom of Abraham. Now he is kissed by the angels instead of licked by the dogs. The Bible just says that the rich man died. Did you know that when a believer dies, the angels come and carry that believer to God? I remember as a young pastor, I used to hear people say that to me. I would go and visit when someone had died, and they'd say, well, yeah, the angels came and took her. And I always thought in the back of my mind, yeah, right. Hope that makes you feel better, you know. <laughs> and then one day I was reading, and I realized they are right. That is exactly what happens. When any of us who are believers pass from this life to the next, Almighty God dispatches angels to convey us into his presence. We won't simply be beamed up to heaven. We will be carried there by the angels. And this passage provides one of the euphemisms we employ for death. We say, the angels took him. It may sound like a cliché from some Victorian greeting card. But it's the biblical truth as applied to believers in Christ. On the day when you wait for the curtains to be drawn on this life, God's messengers stand ready to bear you away on life's ultimate journey. On that journey, Christians will experience none of the travel worries we face. You won't get lost. I'm very thankful for that one. <laughs> you won't miss the bus. There's no waiting for the next plane. God has a special angel assigned to bring you home, and in the face of such assurance, why should you be afraid? <laughs> the prince of death has been defeated. The power of death has been destroyed. The process of death has been described. And finally, the picture of death has been developed. This final one is resting its case on one verse of Scripture, that is the memory verse. Let's read it together aloud, shall we? Here's the verse. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23, 4. On December 7, 1941, 
Peter Marshall, who was the chaplain of the United States Senate, was speaking to the cadets at Annapolis. And if you remember the date, it was the day of infamy because Pearl Harbor was happening and it now lay in the flames of an enemy attack. The room was filled with young men who would soon give their lives sacrificially. He told them the story of a dying child, a little boy with a disease who was afraid of dying. And this little boy asked his mother, what is it like to die? Does it hurt? And the mother thought for a while. And then she said, honey, do you remember when you were smaller and you played very hard and you fell asleep on your mommy's bed? But the next morning you awoke to find yourself somehow in your own bed. Your daddy had come along and with his big strong arms had lifted you, undressed you, put you in your pajamas as you slept. And then she said, honey, that's what death is like. It's like waking up in your own room. Like this little boy, most of us are curious about the process of death. And there's no verse of scripture that gives us more comforting information about it than Psalm 23, 4. And that's why we love this whole psalm. The sheer beauty of this passage never fails to move us. I am certain that this verse has been read at more funerals than any other verse in the Bible. Its poetic phrases teach us several things. Here's what the verse teaches us. Three things. Number one, that death is a journey, not a destination. The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley. In the shepherd's psalm, David sees death not as a destination, but as a journey through a place with God's hand in ours. We go through death to a place, but death itself is not the destination. Death is just the process through which we go. My friend Rob Morgan has written a wonderful book on Psalm 23, and in the fourth verse he describes this in this way. He says, death does not speak of a cave or a dead-end trail. It's a valley, which means it has an opening on both ends, and the emphasis on through, which indicates a temporary state, a transition, a brighter path ahead, a hopeful future. For Christians, problems are always temporary and blessings are always eternal, as opposed to non-Christians whose blessings are always temporal and whose problems are always eternal. Valleys don't go on forever, and the road ahead is always bright for the child of God, as bright as his promises. Death isn't a place that you go to, it's a place you go through to the other side. That's why Paul said, absent from the body and present with the Lord, indicating that the two conditions are one and the same. One man has observed that death is an exit gate and heaven is an entrance, but the two are arranged so closely that one opens as the other shuts. One person says that a dying man is lying at the gates of death. And another says, no, he's lying at the gate of heaven. And they're both right. <laughs> because death is simply a passage through to life forever with God. Most of the time, if we were accurate, we would say, we're not afraid of death. We're just afraid of dying. 
because we're afraid of what it's like, what the process is. But dying for a believer is not anything for us to fear. First of all, the angels come and get us, and it's only a temporary moment that we walk through to the other side. Number two, here's my favorite thing in this whole message. Death is a shadow, not a reality. The Bible says it this way, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. When I was growing up, my father was a pastor of a church in Toledo, Ohio. The church was growing and they didn't have enough room and so they didn't have any place where they could go and get a bigger church and they didn't have enough money to start over and so they found an old mansion that was for sale out on the edge of town. It was in pretty good shape and they went and they bought this mansion which included a number of buildings but a rather large building and then the church built sort of an auditorium on the end of it and it became the Emmanuel Baptist Church of Toledo, Ohio. I was a young boy then, maybe about six or seven or eight. The manse, or the parsonage, as they used to call it, was on the second floor of a 10-car garage behind the big mansion itself. We lived up on the second floor. Underneath was this garage, this humongous 10-car garage. And my job as a young boy, one of my chores was I had to take out the garbage every night. Well, there was only one little light in that garage, a little light bulb hanging from the ceiling, and it was dark as it could be. And it was one scary, spooky place. I had to go down the stairs carrying the garbage and get from the front of the garage all the way to the back and put the garbage out. And I believe to this day that I set some world records of speed going through the garage from one end to the other because it was really frightening to me. The light cast the shadows in spooky ways and it kind of would move. And I still remember it. You can tell this made quite an impression on me. (laughs) But you see, the next day I would get up and I'd go down there and play sometimes and there was nothing to be afraid of. There was nothing there. It was just a shadow. Listen to this. Donald Gray Barnhouse, one of the great teachers of another generation, was driving home from the funeral of his first wife And he had his children with him, and they were overwhelmed with grief. As he sought some way to comfort his children, as they were standing at the corner, a huge moving van passed them, and its shadow swept over where they were standing. Dr. Barnhouse said, Children, would you rather be run over by a truck or by its shadow? And, of course, they said, The shadow. It's harmless. He said, let me tell you something, kids. 2,000 years ago, the truck ran over Jesus Christ in order that only the shadow would have to run over us. Isn't that a great thought? The truck ran over Jesus Christ. He suffered the death so that only the shadow has to run over us. The Bible says death is a shadow, not a reality. No longer is it true that we have to be afraid. For Jesus said, and I quote it again, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Third, from Psalm 23, 4, death is a journey, not a destination. It's a shadow, not a reality. Death is lonely, 
but you are never, never alone. And let me tell you something that's real. can I say this is really cool in this psalm? This is a little grammatical thing I want to share with you. Listen to me. This is how this psalm is laid out. In the first part of the psalm, the shepherd psalmist is talking about the shepherd. He's describing him. Here's how he talks. He says, he leads me. He restores me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And then all of a sudden you get to the fourth verse and very abruptly the third person becomes the second person. And David says, you are with me. He moves from he to you. He quits talking about the shepherd and begins talking to him. You are with me. It's as if he's been talking about God and then in the midst of the shadows he realizes that God is right there and he begins to talk directly to him. An essay becomes an intimate conversation. It all makes beautiful sense if you've ever walked through the valley with anyone. You think about God and suddenly you find yourself caught up in a conversation with him. His presence suddenly changes your whole line of thought. Over the years, I've spoken to many, many people who were traveling their darkest road, and they've often told me that they were never more aware of the presence of God than when walking through that shadow. We don't have to be afraid because we might feel lonely, but we are not alone. I've counseled with many people as they have sat in death's waiting room, and experience has proven to me that God makes his presence known as they walk through the valley. He reaches for their hand. He whispers words of comfort into their ears. And it's not limited to just the dying, but it's also for those who are grieving over the dying. They too walk through this valley, and God reaches out to them as well. And the Bible is so filled with comfort for those who might be experiencing grief Psalm 46, 1 through 2 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. Hebrews 13, 5 says, He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We must realize that when we experience death, either ourselves or with others that we love, we never walk that road alone. There's a wonderful story that I want to share with you as we close today that puts everything that I've said kind of in the context where I want it to be when we're finished. The story took place back in 1800. A man by the name of John Todd saw the significance and hope of death. Todd was a Vermont boy who lost both his parents at the age of six. He lost his brothers and sisters too because they were divided among relatives. And John was taken in by a kindly aunt, and there he lived for 15 years until he left to study for the ministry. The years passed, and he ended up becoming a very effective pastor. One day, he received a letter from the aunt who had raised him, and she was dying. Knowing that he was a pastor, she had the questions that all of us ask. She said, what is awaiting me in death? 
Is this the end? John could feel her anxiety in every line that she wrote. And he loved her and sat down to answer her letter. And he began the letter with the story of a little boy of six who had waited for the arrival of the woman who was going to become mother to him. And here's what he wrote. I can still recall my disappointment when instead of coming for me yourself, you sent your servant Caesar to fetch me. I remember my tears and my anxiety as perched high on your horse, clinging tight to Caesar, I rode off to my new home. Night fell before we finished the journey and I became lonely and afraid. Do you think she'll go to bed before I get there? I asked Caesar anxiously. Oh no, he said. She'll surely stay up for you. When we get out of these here woods, you'll see her candle shining in the window. And then Todd said, Presently we did ride out into the clearing, and there, sure enough, was your candle. I remember you were waiting at the door, that you put your arms close about me, a tired and bewildered little boy, and you had a big fire burning in the hearth and a hot supper waiting on the stove. And after supper you took me to my new room, and you heard my prayers, and then sat beside me until I fell asleep. And then he made the transition. Someday soon, Auntie, God will send for you to take you to a new home. Don't fear the summons, the strange journey, or the dark messenger of death. God can be trusted to do as much for you as you were kind enough to do for me so many years ago. At the end of the road, you will find love and a welcome awaiting, and you will be safe in God's care. John Todd painted for his aunt a picture of new life that was as beautiful as any person could hope for. But I can assure you, it's not even close to the way it really is. When we finally close this gate and open the new one into God's presence, we will be wondering for eternity why we ever let death even cause us one moment of concern. For God loves us, and it has not yet dawned on us all of the good that he has in store for each of us. Now, having said all of this, let me tell you something that's very important for you to hear. The provision that God has made for death, these wonderful promises and stories that I have told you, is only applicable to those who put their trust in Christ. If you want to go to heaven when you die, you have to do something about it in the here and now. You don't get to heaven and make a choice. Your choice has to be made here and now. The Bible says that you must place your trust in Jesus Christ. If you will believe in him, he will give you eternal life as your gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to urge you today, don't play chicken with death. Don't sit back there and say, well, I don't need to do this now. There's some other time I can do it. Listen, you're not going to ever hear another sermon like this the rest of your life because the next time a sermon like this is going to be preached, you won't hear it. <laughs> so will you take the opportunity of this moment to really ask yourself the question, am I ready to die? And I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. Are you ready to meet God? Because you can get ready, and you can do it today, and it's, 
simply a matter of putting your trust in him. It's a matter of saying, I am going to decide to believe in Jesus Christ and his word and what he has done for me on the cross. Will you do that today? Will you say, look, I'm not going to play any more games with death. I am going to get ready today so that no matter how long I live or how short my life may be, I'm ready to meet God. Because what God has in store for those who put their trust in him is far beyond anything I have said to you today. But it's only for those who trust him. You say, well, that's pretty narrow. It's just as narrow as the word of God makes it. I didn't make up the script. God did. He's offering us today this wonderful opportunity to put our trust in him. Will you do it? Amen. Amen. Well, tomorrow we're going to begin the last message in this series, What Are You Afraid Of? And uh, tomorrow the message is entitled, Deity, the Fear of God. Say, friend, before we uh, say our final goodbye for today's program, I just want to remind you again that the Bible says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end of that way is death. And the Bible also says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, no one goes to the Father except through him. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, would you do that today? I am so determined to tell everyone that I meet how important it is that they make peace with God through Jesus Christ. Will you do that? Will you trust him? Will you invite him to come and live within your heart? You pray this simple prayer. Say, Dear God, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to be my Savior. I believe he is your perfect, only begotten Son, and his death on the cross was sufficient to pay for all my sin. I accept him as my Savior. Lord God, I invite Jesus Christ into my life. When you do that, your life will be changed. You'll become a Christian, and you'll be certain of spending eternity in heaven with the Father. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. We'd love to know how Turning Point is touching your life. So please write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's encouraging new book, Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. Stop letting fear hold you back. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries for instant access to our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, What Are You Afraid Of? Here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game, where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. 
Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca study. That's davidjeremiah.ca study. 